Welcome to the podcast for Icon Church. We are a Seattle-based community that believes all people are icons of the invisible God, made in his image to reflect his glory and grace. Well, uh, again, my name is Justin, and uh, it's good to have you here at Icon uh, Icon Week 5, uh, which eventually you stop counting, right? Like I got five kids and eventually you stop remembering how many months they are or how many years they are even, uh, and we're, we're getting close. So we are in a series uh, that we're calling Confronting Genesis, uh, and it's a mashup. I've said this a couple times now. It's a mashup of two things. One, the book of Genesis, uh, which we're doing the first 12 chapters, and uh, a a book written by Dr. Rebecca McLaughlin called Confronting Christianity. So uh, we're looking at the book of Genesis through the lens of some of the themes uh, that she explores in this book. Um, Last week, we talked about work, uh, and this week we're talking about rest. These are two themes that are not in her book, but are so prominent and important in Genesis uh, that we're going to make sure we we spend some time on those things. Um, And these two things really work together. Right? Like you, you have to uh, understand work in the context of rest and rest in the context of work. And uh, I was particularly aware this week because I was preaching this sermon that almost every person that I talked to and asked how they were doing, right? So uh, it's a pretty common question that we ask each other when we see each other. How you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. How you been? And I would guess in my very informal and unscientific poll that about 80% of the time, a big stats guy, if you've been around here, you know that, um, about 80% of the people that I asked how they're doing said something like tired or busy or some synonym of those things. And I can tell you for sure, very scientifically, that the number of times someone said, you know what, well-rested and present, was zero. (laughs) Zero percent of the time, somebody answered that way. So, you know, I'm not a scientist, but that means we definitely need to be talking about rest. So that's what we're gonna do from Genesis chapter two. If you guys wanna turn there, um, I, want to, I want to do a couple things. I want to talk about what is this idea of rest in the scriptures. And there's a very particular word that the Bible uses to talk about rest. And I want to use that word all during our sermon to separate what I think we think about often um, when just in our day-to-day lives, in our normal culture, when we talk about rest, I think we often approach rest as one of two things. And these are ends of a spectrum, and I get it. Uh, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of middle ground here. But often rest is either a wasted opportunity for productivity, for some of us, or it is kind of a self-absorbed me time kind of idea, right? Where we really prioritize whatever we want to do and it becomes that that's our vision of rest. So on the opposite end of the spectrum, a wasted opportunity for productivity or kind of a self-absorbed me time idea. And I want to argue tonight that Christianity's vision, the Bible's vision for rest is neither of those things and at the same time far better than either of those things. Okay, so the word that the Bible uses for rest is this word Sabbath, 
Okay, and we'll read it first in Genesis chapter 2, that this idea of Sabbath is a theme that goes from Genesis chapter 2 all the way through the Bible, and it is essentially a just a Bible word. It's not a word that exists really in uh, popular culture, even during this time. It is a word unique to Judaism and later Christianity. And so it is a kind of a uniquely Christian vision for this idea of rest. So I want to look at three things. What is rest or what is Sabbath specifically? Why do we need Sabbath? And then how do we Sabbath? Okay, can we do that? That's what we're doing. doesn't matter. All right. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Remember, we just got done uh, with the work of God in creation. He has just finished. So actually, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. It says, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Can, you, can we just stop for just a quick second on that? How satisfying is it those few times in our lives when we get done with something and can take a step back and go, that was good. And just rest in the fact that that was good. Just, it's not that often, and yet it is our daily goal. He says, and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all of the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, this word in the Hebrew that's translated rested here um, is, uh, you know, and there's always work done in translation, but the very literal way to translate that word is simply to cease. That God worked and then he stopped. This is not meant to evoke an idea of God kind of reclining on a heavenly couch, sipping something, non-alcoholic, LaCroix for sure, and, uh, and, and just like vegging out for the seventh day. It's simply saying God worked for six and then stopped his work. Now, uh, the biblical writers pick up this theme so much so that by Exodus chapter 20, now class, what famous thing is in Exodus 20? Anybody. The Ten Commandments. It's like kind of a big deal, guys. (laughs) Note to self. (laughs) Teach classes. Okay. In Exodus chapter 20, the fourth commandment that God gives to his people is to honor the Sabbath, to keep the Sabbath holy, or holy simply means to set it apart as a day of rest because that's what God did after he created. He stopped and had a day of not working. And so this became an integral part of the life of Israel. Now, it is not meant to be complicated right? You work hard for six days, and then you stop. But the Jews are, were good at many things. One of them was making things complicated. And so in the Talmud, um, they actually listed out 39 categories of what it means to Sabbath, the categories of work that you cannot do, uh, and, and it went beyond there. I want to read for you those 39 categories just to give you a little peek into the life of Israel BC. Here they are. One, sewing, and that's not this, it's 
planting, sowing, different thing. Sowing, plowing, reaping, binding sheaves, threshing, winnowing, selecting, grinding, sifting, kneading, baking, shearing wool, washing wool, beating wool, dyeing wool, anything wool related, <laughs> spinning, weaving, making two loops, one's fine, two, out of the question, <laughs> weaving two threads, separating two threads, just leave the threads alone, tying, untying, sewing stitches, tearing, trapping, slaughtering, flaying, tanning, scraping hide, marking hide, cutting hide to shape, writing two or more letters, erasing two or more letters, <laughs> leave the letters alone, building, demolishing, extinguishing a fire, kindling a fire, putting the finishing touch on an object, or transporting an object between a private domain and the public domain. So that means anything, you can't take anything from inside your house to outside of your house. Or for a distance of four cubits within a public domain. So you can carry something, but only for four cubits. A, cubits. a cubit, as you all obviously know, is the distance from your elbow to the tip of your finger. So four of these, it's not far. That's, the, that's what you can't do, okay? You can't take anything far. These were the categories, and this is interesting at a couple of different levels. One is it gives you an, uh, kind of a snapshot of life in Israel and their attempt to define what it meant to stop working on the Sabbath. It also, uh, it, it, it's got kind of a positive and negative side to it, right? So positively, you could look at this list and go, uh, you know what, Israel took this seriously. They looked at this day and they heard the fourth commandment that God wanted to, us to keep the Sabbath holy, to set it apart for a purpose. And so they went, okay, we got to do that. And so they go, okay, well, all right, let's, let's keep the Sabbath holy. And, and Jim goes over to start a fire and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are we allowed to start fires? And they're like, great question. I don't know. God didn't say so. Well, let's just say you can't build a fire. Great, that's no problem. Jim goes over to put out the fire. I don't know, Jim, uh, if this is such a good idea. Should we be putting out fires on the Sabbath? Great question, Steve. And so on and on and on to where they build this kind of uh, vision for what it looks like to stop working on the Sabbath. So that's the positive side, that they at least took the word of God seriously. The negative side to this is that they probably missed the spirit of the law in favor of the letter of the law, right? So we'll look at this later, but Jesus uh, was, was quick to tell the Pharisees that God created the Sabbath for us, not us for the Sabbath, right? So it's meant to be a blessing to us. In fact, in Exodus chapter 20 in the Ten Commandments, God calls the Sabbath a blessing. So let's define very quickly what actually the Sabbath is. And I, I think actually this list of 39 things is a useful uh, uh, clue to us to understand what it is. Because each and every one of these things um, are prohibiting an activity that creates or cultivates. And if you were here last week, and I know all of you were, um, you will remember that the first commandment that God gave to humanity was to create, cultivate, and have dominion. 
that this is, this is the cultural mandate. This is the work that God gave to humanity to have dominion over, to order and create and cultivate God's creation. And so this list, in fact, for this, this particular time in Jewish history was basically them saying all of the ways in which we are from, uh, you know, in, in their case, Sunday to Friday, uh, to be doing what God gave us to do, this cultivation, this dominion, we are going to stop doing on that Sunday. So in a sense, to Sabbath is to give up or to relinquish control, to relinquish this call to cultivation, this responsibility that we feel to shut it off, to let it go, and to entrust it to God. Sabbath is not the passive absence of activity. It is the active choice to relinquish control and entrust the world back to God for a day. Okay, so this is what he's called us to, and he calls it a blessing, that he has given us this blessing. And so my question for us is, why does it not feel like a blessing? Because typically blessings, I rush to receive and I climb over people and things to get blessings. And yet I struggle, and I, I think many of you do too, struggle to actually keep the Sabbath holy as the fourth commandment teaches us. So why do we need to Sabbath? In Mark chapter 2, verse 27, as I just mentioned, Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the question is, why was the Sabbath made. And to be honest, the Bible doesn't lay this out directly other than to say God did it as our example, so we follow in his example. But I think we can infer quite a bit from the rest of scripture and the way it teaches us to be, to be able to have a good idea of why God would give us a Sabbath. And what I want you to do as I go through this list is think about and maybe jot down in your bulletin that has space for sermon notes, Maybe jot down which of these might be the most pressing reason in my life. So, number one, the Sabbath was made to remind us that we are human and not God, which means that we have limits, which means that we tire, which means that we are weak, ultimately, and in need of rest. And now, um, this, I think, for many of us is a, an important correction because a lot of us spend six days a week pretending in our work that we are strong. In fact, many of us project superhuman strength. What do I mean by that? You're lifting cars? No. You are pretending that you have no weaknesses. You hide your ignorance you work as if you never tire. You would never admit that you need a break. You would never tell a boss you don't know. You would never tell a coworker that something is hard for you, which is all us pretending that we are not human, but in fact superhuman, that we are in fact God, not created beings. And so God gives us this one day to set aside to say, I, I want you to act for one day, if only, as if you are human and you have limits and weakness. Number two, 
God gave us the Sabbath because we are prone to workaholism, which is just idolatry made manifest, right? So the Bible has this category for idolatry, which is anything that we treat as if it were God. Anything that we value more highly, esteem more highly, listen to more closely, obey more faithfully than God himself is what the Bible calls an idol. And so workaholism typically isn't in and of itself the idol. It is just the manifestation of an idol we have of success, the, uh, the idolatry to be somebody, to have the things that work can give us, the stuff or the security, the money, the position, the fame, the whatever it is, and work is the means by which we could attain the thing that we want for those of us who are Christians and have been called to Sabbath but can't. Workaholism becomes the means by which we attain the thing we value more than God. So the Sabbath is there to remind us, to slow us down, to stop us from working, and to focus our attention on other things. Number three, Sabbath exists to remind us that the world doesn't need us. This is something I think we all need to hear pretty often is, you're not that important. And I mean that with all sincerity and love for you, you're not that big a deal. And maybe, maybe you think you're a big deal, or maybe people tell you you're a big deal, and it seems like at work you're a big deal, and it seems like if you don't show up that the whole company is going to fall apart, and maybe the world, it's not. You can take a day, and it'll be okay. I say that for your protection. I say that to remind you that we're all not that important, and that's something that we don't hear a lot but need to hear. The world doesn't need us. It needs God, and when we stop, God doesn't. God continues to work in the world, even without us. Number four, God gave us the Sabbath to witness publicly to the gospel, that in our workplace we could demonstrate this different vision for seeing work and this different vision for life and different priorities by simply turning it off one day. And if somebody can't get a hold of us on one day and gets angry at us, at us on one day, that we might be able to tell them, listen, I just don't work on that day and, I, and, I, and I'm not going to. This is, this is my day off, and I honor that. I, I, the, it, this gives us an opportunity. I've spoken with some of you who've run into this challenge that your workplace, is a, a, there's an expectation to be available at least via email seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and that's insanity. And, and you have the ability to actually proclaim the truth of the gospel that we have this different vision for what work is and what rest is and what life is for and what really matters is is there risk built into that yeah. probably not as much as you think but sure there's some risk number five god gave us the sabbath 
because it allows others to rest. Some of us are in positions that uh, we are the ones setting the tone. We're the ones setting the example. And when we rest, we allow those beneath us to rest. And some of us are setting a tone, setting an example in our workplace that I never rest so that, and it may just be implicit, but you better never rest either. And so when we rest, we actually let those beneath us rest. And that's a blessing to them. Number six, God gave us the Sabbath so that we can focus on things that matter most. The, the tyranny of the digital is abated for just a moment. The things that come across our email and across our texts and across our Instagram or Twitter or Snapchat feeds or whatever is out there is not that big a deal at the end of the day. And yet it's a deluge on us Monday through Friday. And if we let it, it can be a deluge on us all the time. And we are constantly bombarded with things that only matter a little. And having a day of Sabbath allows us to cut through that noise and focus on things that we know matter most. That when they are just one voice amongst a cacophony of voices, they get drowned out and it feels like my children's voice is the same as the voice on Twitter or email, and it's not. And so when we put away the voices that don't matter as much, we are able to actually hear the voices that matter the most. Number seven. God gave us Sabbath to cultivate thankfulness. Oftentimes our schedule and the world around us doesn't give us time to pause, to actually be grateful for what we have today. Everything around us is pointing us forward to more. Everything is pointing us forward to next. And so when we are constantly consumed with what's forward and what's next and what's more, we neglect to be thankful for what is and what has been. It requires work to pull against the tide of forward movement and actually cultivate thankfulness in us. Number eight, we have Sabbath to cultivate contentment. The same idea of culture wanting to push us forward for more and more and better and faster, when we Sabbath, we create space to be content with what is, if even just for a day. And we can go back to work the next day and push forward for more and better and faster, but for one day we can be content with what is. Number nine, Having Sabbath forces us to be more disciplined during our work time. See, if we only have six days in the week to get stuff done, something magical happens. It's, it's hilarious to me. Studies show that uh, no matter what your timeline, within reasonable timelines, that you get the same amount of work done if you had a project to do and you had a two-week deadline or a six-month deadline, you would get basically the same amount of work done in two weeks that you would get in six months. And oftentimes the work is better because it's more focused and there's a greater sense of urgency. And so when we have to, to compact seven days worth of work into six, it actually makes us better workers. It keeps us more focused. We're more disciplined. 
and, and actually work and rest go together. And we, we know this. It, our, our physical bodies tell us this. It, the irony of a day of lounging around doing nothing is if you spend all day on the couch, that night when you lay down at 10 or 11 o'clock, what can't you do? Sleep. Because you've been laying around all day. It's the most annoying thing in the world. And yet, if you wake up early and you work out and you work hard and you stay disciplined and you keep moving, your head hits the pillow at 10 and you're asleep. Work and rest go together. You need rest in order to work well and you need to work well in order to rest well. So that's nine things. I'm going to stop there just to bug whoever in here needs a tenth thing. I was thinking about a tenth thing and I thought, you know what, Somebody's, that's going to freak somebody out, so we're not going to do it. So how do we rest? One day a week, at least one part of every day, and maybe one weekend a month, and at least a week a year. So, so definitely one day a week, definitely part of every day, and maybe more. Maybe a weekend a month, maybe a week a year. And I don't mean a vacation, I mean a Sabbath. A real Sabbath. So here's four things you have to do in order to Sabbath well in our day and age. And I'm using the acronym STOP, because that's what pastors do. <laughs> Acronyms are a gift from God to pastors. And because it just helps you remember stuff. It's four things. One, shut it off. S, shut it off. You will not rest so long as your devices are near. It's science. Science actually demonstrates this. You will not rest. You will not focus. You will not be able to actually Sabbath unless you shut it off. Two, trust God actively choose to trust God. Trusting is not a, a, a passive activity. It is an active choice that we make to relinquish control of the world around us, those things that God has given us to cultivate the other six days a week. Trust him. Trust him to Continue to move the world forward and you will realize just how little the world needs you. And that's good news. Because if that feels like bad news, realizing how little the world needs you, then that means that there's some idolatry, there's some codependence, there's some stuff going on there that makes you need to be needed. And Sabbathing Entrusting your world to God can reveal in you that, that unhealthy and unholy desire to be needed. So trust your world to God. Number three, order your life. You will not Sabbath consistently unless you prioritize it. And you actually stop and order your life around Sabbath. Whatever you do in order to schedule, start with Sabbath. Build the rest of your schedule around it. It's the only way it'll happen consistently. And if you are married, you have to talk to your spouse about this. If you have kids, uh, good luck. If you are single, you have no excuse. This is, your world is wide open. You have no idea how good you have it. 
This is the best time of your life. In this sense, order your life around Sabbath. You order your life around Sabbath and you will see your work get better and your rest get better. Lastly, pay attention. Pay attention. Open your eyes to see the people and the things that are right around you and invest in those things. Sabbath is not me time. Sabbath is a moment to prioritize what really matters. It is a break from the tyranny of the urgent. It is a break from the incessant small things that dominate our lives and the lesser voices that demand things from us. Sabbath is meant to cut all of that out All of the emailing, all of the texting, all of the tweeting, all of the picture taking, all of those things get pushed out. All of the shearing and the looping and all of the things that we spend so much of our time doing to push all that to the side and create space to invest in the things that matter. And so when you open your eyes and actually see what is there in front of you, you cultivate thankfulness, you cultivate contentment, you you build real meaningful relationships with the people around you. God has created you for this. You need this. and, And without prioritizing this, you will spend the next 30, 40, 50, 60 years of your life, whatever you have left, doing a lot of kind of important things at the sacrifice of a few of the things that matter most. Now, all of this vision of Sabbath is the most shallow version of it. The New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 4, and I want you to turn there, takes this concept of Sabbath and dives down to its deepest and truest and most important level. Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 8. The writer of Hebrews has just been making an argument about Joshua and the people of Israel and why they didn't enter into the promised land. And he says this in chapter 4, verse 8. He said, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. The writer of Hebrews made up a word. It's a word that exists only right here in the entirety of the Greek canon. He literally made up a word, sabbatismos, which just means a Sabbathy kind of rest. This is literally what he literally made up a word to just say, yeah, the, the people of Israel, 
in the time of Moses and Joshua, were trying to enter into the promised land, trying to enter into this rest, trying to get into this land of milk and honey that they thought was the promised land, that they thought was going to solve all their problems, that they thought was going to make them a secure people, that they thought was going to be this respite from war and respite from attack and respite from all of these things. They had put their whole lives on the line to enter into Canaan, that they, this, this vision for their lives that they thought would satisfy all their needs. And the writer of Hebrews goes, see, here's the problem with that. There's nothing on earth that can actually give you real rest. So yes, cultivate rest. Yes, stop your work. Yes, be present with the things around you. But all of that is surface if you do not experience this Sabbathy rest that the author of Hebrews speaks to. The kind of rest you can only get from Jesus. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, Jesus says this. Hear this, Amazon worker. Hear this, Microsoft employee. Hear this, college student. Hear this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I guarantee you that anytime Jesus saw somebody he knew on the street and that person said, hey, Jesus, how have you been? Jesus never said, oh man, busy and tired. Worn out, stressed out, can't reach all these people, can't meet all the needs, too many lepers, just can't, can't get to all of them. That, that was never Jesus' response. Not, not because he solved every problem and healed every person and saved that because that's not what was going on but because he had a secure sense of who he was what he was there for and complete confidence that God will accomplish what God will accomplish when God wants to accomplish it how God wants to accomplish it and he is just at that time a tool in the hand of the Father to accomplish his purpose. And he could rest in that. And in the aftermath of Jesus' work, the writer of Hebrews is able to look at us and say, whoever has entered God's rest, this rest, this rest that only Jesus can offer, has also rested from his works as God did from his See, you'll, you'll never really do any of this Sabbath thing until you have experienced the true Sabbath rest of being in Christ. Entrusting yourself to him, entrusting your life to him, entrusting your future to him, entrusting your present to him, entrusting your past to him, entrusting all of it to him, knowing that the finished work of Christ on the cross covers all of it. 
And that the resurrection defeated every ounce of sin in this world. Overcame every obstacle. So that now, he he says here in Hebrews, we can rest from our work. No, he says from our works. From every attempt we make to justify ourselves and justify our place in the world. There's a movie from a long, long time ago before many of you were born called Rocky. And uh, it stars Sylvester Stallone, who you know now is a slurring action star. But uh, this movie won Best Picture, if you can believe that. But there's this great moment in the movie where uh, Rocky is talking to his wife, Adrian. And, uh, and, and he tells Adrian, I just, he says, I just, I've got to go the distance. He's a boxer, if you're not familiar with the movie. Rocky's a boxer, and he says, I just got to go the distance. And Adrian's worried for him and, and scared that he's going to get mauled, and he basically does. And, and, uh, and, and, and he says, I just got to go the distance. And she says, why? Why, Rocky? Why does this matter to you so much? And he goes, because then I can prove that I'm not a bum. I can prove that I'm somebody. And, and, and Sylvester Stallone delivers that in this way that only a B-level actor can deliver a line. <laughs> and yet, at the same time, tell every one of our story. That it's not going the distance in a boxing match, but it's something. There's something that you're doing. There's something that you will not rest from because you're doing it to prove you're not a bum to somebody, to your dad, to your mom, to the world, to yourself, to your friends, to God. You're proving to him that you don't need him, that he doesn't exist and you don't need him anyway. That's the rest that Jesus invites us into, and that's the, that's the prerequisite rest that allows all the rest of the rest to happen. We will never really Sabbath until we have experienced the Sabbath rest of Christ because then we can so much more easily lay down whatever it is that we can't lay down. Allow us to stop whatever it is we can't stop. Because Jesus is enough. He's accomplished all there was to accomplish. And it is because of his work that you're not a bum. Not because of your work. A lot of good questions. And we're not going to be able to answer all of them. Super, super good questions. Um, So I'm going to just pick a few here. Um, it says, you spoke a lot to those who are inclined to idolize work. What about those who idolize rest? How can we rest well? Uh, it's, a, it's a good question and a good point. And I did choose to err on the side of those who idolize work for a couple of very specific reasons. One, um, I do think it's probably a bit more common in our uh, city. Uh, two, it's Uh, the end of that spectrum that is um, most often overlooked or not considered bad, right? Like everyone considers a lazy person bad. 
No one likes a lazy person. So sorry if you're who asked this question. Um, <laughs> but in our world, we justify workaholism and, and, and value workaholism. Even those of us who are like, yeah, I work too much. It's like, <laughs> yeah, uh, that it's, we're kind of proud of that. Uh, almost no one's proud of being overly lazy. And so I did uh, skew that way. But here's, here's what I would say, that um, Sabbath rest is not, and I've, I've said this a couple times, it's not self-absorbed me time. It shouldn't include you just being horizontal all day uh, and, and having various masks on your face or whatever you do, um, uh, no matter who you are. Um, I, I, it, it is intentional prioritizing of what matters most and is most meaningful. Okay, and so you can't, uh, you can't do that, you can't intentionally create space to value what is most valuable uh, and do so in a lazy way. So certainly there's a corrective for you on the other side and um, you should pay attention to last week's sermon about work, uh, that we have been given work as a call of God to do uh, what Philippians calls fruitful labor, like God-honoring work that is excellent. I mentioned very briefly at the very beginning that, ha that it is so satisfying to do work and then be able to step back and say, that was very good. That should be a fairly normal occurrence for us, that we put enough of ourselves into a project and are focused on it and do excellent work so that we can say, that was good, and now I'm going to go rest. Uh, number two, hey, Justin. Appreciate the greeting. <laughs> what specifically does your practice of Sabbath look like? You've got a bunch of kids, true. A Sunday job. What does your day look like? Any best practices? Uh, great question. This is, it's a fight. It is a fight for us. And I, I mean that in, a, in the most aggressive way possible, actually. Um, <laughs> It is, uh, it is a battle for us to be able to create space for this because we do have a bunch of kids and now they're getting into the age where they're playing soccer and playing baseball and doing all kinds of different things. Um, our day is Saturday, so I work Sunday to Thursday. Friday is my day off to be focused around the house and with kids and helping Emily and doing different things. Saturday is the day we've set aside for Sabbath, um, but it's a battle. It, it, we, we really do have to fight for it, um, and it doesn't always happen. Uh, Saturday, yesterday, I, I finished putting up some shelves and finished putting the handles on Emily's new elliptical. Just picture her like this in the basement. Uh, and... Uh, and that was work that was uh, needed to get done, but I, I probably, I should have done that on Friday, and, and I didn't. And so part of that ordering our lives well ahead of time was there, that was leftover work from Friday, and in fact, leftover work from the previous Friday. And so uh, that needed to get done. And uh, so for us, uh, what happens often is Sabbath becomes Friday-ish and Saturday-ish, rather than, nope, we do this stuff on Friday, and then we Sabbath on Saturday, and that's what it needs to be. Um, so it's a battle, but we're trying to carve and be disciplined on that as much as possible. Okay, one last question. Uh, so many good questions. 
are there ever um, reasons or exceptions that permit us to skip rest, uh, if even just for maybe a season? Um, no. And, and, and that's, uh, I, I, and I mean that, and, and here's why. Um, you were made for this, and you need it. So um, are there days where something comes up and you got to do this or that? Yeah. But the moment you start allowing yourself seasons where we're skipping rest, it, it, you're beginning to say, again, I'm not like the rest of them. I don't need this. Or there are some other things that I need to prioritize more than this during this season. And all of the reasons why we might do that uh, boil back down to, um, I want to be in control. I want to have the, the influence, the power, the success, the whatever. It boils back down to me and what I want. Part of the value of Sabbath and part of the discipline of it is submission. It's submitting to God. Even when we don't feel like we need it or we feel like there's other things, it's submitting to the greater wisdom of God. To say, nope, I need it. I know it's crazy busy, or I just had a rest, or whatever. Like, nope, I need it. And so I, I wouldn't want to send anyone down the path of, yeah, 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 there's exceptions and there's times and seasons, whatever. No, submit to God. Submit to the fact that he knows best for us, and his wisdom uh, is, is good wisdom for us. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Icon Church. For more information, go to iconchurch.org.